Today's episode is brought to you by Birthing Stone and their baby sleep coaching program. Birthing Stone's sleep coaches help you invest in a lifetime of good sleep for your little one and provide in-home personalized support to help you reach your goals. Head over to motherbirth.co slash birthingstone for more information. So we went back to the hospital that night and just Justin and I, and she said, yeah, you still have those little small ones. I mean, they didn't even hurt yet. You know, they were like, but I don't think we're going to send you home. Thank God they didn't. Or I would have been on the news with a delivery in the car. We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Mother Birth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hey everybody, welcome to Mother Birth today. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a special guest today, Osti Eckley, who we have connected through, um, connected with through Instagram, and it turns out we have all these random different connections through our communities and and the birth world. So we're really excited to have Osti on the show today. She's going to have some um, really really interesting and unique experiences to share with us that we think will be really inspirational to y'all. So, Osti, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. Hi. Thank you. This is so fun. My name is Osti, like you said, and I am married and we have four little girls and our oldest, her name is Eleanor. She's six and the twins are four and a half. And then the baby, she's not really a baby, but I still treat her like a baby, um, is 18 months. Okay. So how old are your oldest? She is six. She is six. And then you have twins in the middle. Yep. Four and a half. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So why don't we kind of back up to the very start and you tell us how your motherhood journey began? Yeah. We got pregnant when I was, I believe, 27. And the pregnancy was great, really super smooth. I wasn't really sick or anything like that throughout the pregnancy. And, um, my water broke at, I believe a week of 40, so 39 weeks. And it started to progress really, really fast, really fast. And by the time I was at the hospital, Eleanor came about four hours later. So she, (laughs) yes. And so we chose to not use any intervention and went completely natural. And the hospital was really great, actually. Um, which I know I've heard so many different stories with hospital experiences, but for us, it was, it was really great. They were really on board with our birth plan and, and I don't really think they had a choice being, she came so fast. Right. Uh, You didn't really have a choice either. Oh no, we did not. But, um, it's amazing to be able to describe an experience that feels that crazy. It's, it's amazing to be able to describe it as, as amazing and beautiful at the same time. Yeah. That's one of the incredible things about birth. It's like the most difficult and, you know, sometimes traumatic experience is also something that you just hold in this, in this position of like incredible awe and, oh yeah, (laughs) you know, well, it's amazing how it can go from being, not that I want to scare any new mothers, but it is painful if you go, um, naturally at that very end. And then all of a sudden, you know, that baby comes out and you're like, you go from like that to just there's no explanation to that feeling of meeting that baby for the first time. So it is definitely until you have that baby in your arms, there's just no, there's just no way of knowing (laughs) what that, what that feeling is going to be like, like you're saying. Yeah. You guys just posted a video on it and I just bawled. (laughs) 
watching that mom. Oh my goodness. With that baby. I was like, oh my gosh. I feel like that video was really kind of a, a reminder of those moments that mm-hmm. we get to experience in birth that people forget about. I think it's interesting because you, so many people when the baby's born, like immediately obviously look to the baby, even the mom, that's what they should be doing. But watching women go through that is such an amazing experience. Watching those faces mm-hmm. yeah, are, is really, really beautiful. Yeah. That video, I mean, it absolutely wrecks me every time I see it because I feel like I've just never seen it captured quite that way. Like there are so many photos and videos that definitely capture the like the awe and the overwhelm and just like the instant like elation. But I just feel like the, the look on her face, I mean, I don't think we've ever gotten so much engagement on an Instagram post in, in, in our life. And if you are listening to this, you can, you can head over to Instagram page and you'll see, um, just a, a short clip from December. And, um, it's just like her face is just she's just like looking around to these, these women around her. Like, did I just do that? Like, did that just happen? And, and it's just like that moment of sharing that with community is so beautiful. Like, because you're there with your baby and that part is incredible, but then you're also there with, you know, whoever your birth team is and like, they're there, they experienced it with you, not on the same level, but like, they're there to say, yes, you did that. Like, look at what you get, like, look at this gift, you know? that's how we kind of felt too. Like I didn't, I didn't, I think for me going into the idea of natural wasn't it for anybody else, but my own, just because I, I felt like I was tired of people telling me how awful it was, honestly. Mm-hmm. And coming from that type of, I think, honestly, the, we see that a lot in culture today, just that fear. And I, I didn't want to be afraid of it. So that was kind of our thought process going into it that way. Yeah. I, th- I think that, it's, it's so true that there's so much fear around birth. And, and I think so much of that is just because we don't have the community aspect that we used to have around those kind of transitions. You know, you didn't mm-hmm. have, you didn't like see your mother give birth. You, you, I you know, you did. weren't, I actually did. Oh, you did. Well, there you go. <laughs> I actually watched my mother. I was 16 and my parents had a baby and I actually have to wow. say that helped me in that whole thought process of like, no, like, I love that you said that. How cool is that? Yeah. She, um, asked me, I don't know if it was, she was trying to scare me out of, (laughs) 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 you know, um, those things, but yeah, I did actually watch my little baby sister be born. And it was, I think at the time I was only 16. So it was definitely a little bit like, Whoa. And and she was like an Mm -hmm. animal, you know, um, in an awesome way, but, but yeah, pretty intense. Yeah, that's so cool that you got to see that. I yeah. I feel like fewer and fewer people do and and when when you do, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really life-changing. It kind of has this this ability to not just give you confidence in that you can do it or that it's possible, but in this feeling of like, this is what women do. Yeah. Well, and even like you, <laughs> you know, that, like, oh, you know, you didn't see that because I think that is rare. Like I remember telling friends even now, like I saw my little sister be born and they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, it was awesome. So for me, like birth was never, it was just normal. I don't know. Like when I, you know, got married and got pregnant and it was just normal to me where I had, like I said, a lot of friends that were so afraid of the process. But mm-hmm. I think because I saw my mom do that, it was, I don't know, it was more normal. And I have to be honest, my little sister is my, she's like my baby, you know, cause I mm-hmm. literally saw her, you know, from that first breath. So, yeah, I think it's so 
important to like you choose who, what you're exposing yourself to mm-hmm. as you prepare for birth. And unfortunately there's a lot of fear or trauma that people process very publicly. Um, mm-hmm. yes. and I always, when I was a doula, I would meet with clients and just talk about, here are some really great stories Yep, I know. of people who, even if it was like long and hard and painful, even if they use the, those words, it's not like all, you know, rainbows and unicorns, mm-hmm. but these are people who would say, this is something that I could totally do and did. And I'm on the other side of it and everyone's okay. Because there's an unlimited amount of people who say the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, that's part of why we're doing, we do what we do and share these stories is because not all of them are, again, textbook perfect. Nobody's story is perfect, but giving people a voice to share that experience with people who might not have access to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In their own community. Yeah. And we want people to be able to tell every story, even the traumatic stories yes. and even the stories where they doubted themselves and, and it, you know, it wasn't what they thought it would be or, right. you know, all of those different things. But I think that, um, like Laura said, there is so much public processing now. I mean, certainly not, not historically, but you know, nowadays there is a lot of public processing of those stories. And I think that we have to be able to balance those with, you know, with positive and really, really encouraging stories about birth, because like, how else are we going to, you know, when I think of the next generation, whether that's my daughters or even just women who are a few years younger than me who haven't had kids yet, like, how do I want them to feel about birth? Like, I want them to know that they can do this. And whatever that ends up looking like, whether, you know, whether they choose the medicated or unmedicated birth, whether there ends up being interventions or not, at the end of the day, that isn't really the stuff that matters. It's whether or not they feel like they can do this and whether they feel like they have the support they need to make that happen. And that's how I want them to feel about it. And so sharing stories like yours are, are just so, so yeah. important. Yeah, that's, that's like perfect because that is kind of what makes our story so unique is we came off of this beautiful, natural birth, um, perfect, you know, baby. She was, came, went right home. And then when we got pregnant with the twins, we actually, we went to a, so I miscarried in between. So after, after Eleanor, I had a very early miscarriage and then I got pregnant pretty quickly. And so when I went in, they said, you know, we just want to make sure everything looks okay because of the miscarriage. And so they went in and, and they did an ultrasound and they said, oh yeah, perfect. One baby healthy. So (laughs) you could imagine our surprise at the 20 week ultrasound when we went in to find out the gender and they, the lady is looking at me and she's looking at my husband and looking at me and I'm immediately Hmm. thinking is something wrong. And she says, no, but I'm assuming you don't know that there's two babies in your belly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Nope. Nope. Didn't know that. I think my husband turned, um, white. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so then, you know, we have these two babies and it's just, we go from like just total shock to joy. And then those sweet little babies came exactly, uh, let's see, eight weeks later. So yes, we found out. And then, I mean, we didn't even have a car that would transport three children. So I basically went to my 28 week ultrasound and at 27 weeks, I had been feeling really, really, really uncomfortable. Just really like, it was like my stomach doubled in size overnight and, and it shouldn't be that way. And and of course, everyone in their lovely opinions and always having something to say, you know, oh, you're just having twins. It's just the twin thing. And I even went in actually and was seen on a Saturday by my doctor and, and they monitored the heart rates and the heart rates were fine. So they just sent me home and 
I kept saying to my husband, no, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know how I can go with this feeling for another, you know, three months of pregnancy. This just seemed, I think as a woman, you know, your body and looking back, I really wish I would have advocated actually a little bit more for myself because I just listened to everybody saying, Oh, it's just twins. It's just twins. When I knew in my heart, something was not right. Yeah. Um, so I went back in, so I had my scheduled ultrasound at, at 28 weeks on that Monday and I went in and, and you know how you just know, I knew the look on the, on the ultrasound tech's face and she's not allowed to say anything, but I just knew something was off. And so, yeah, yeah. so she sent after my ultrasound, I would go in and see the doctor. And so I went in there and, and I love my doctor it, and she actually is who delivered Charlotte, our little one. So I went in and, and she said, you know, remember that, that condition I told you about called twin to twin transfusion. Well, it's showing that to us with the babies and, and we need to, you need to be seen by the perinatologists, which are, um, premature, basically babies, you know, there's the doctors for the premature babies. And, hmm. and I remember going, Oh, like, like I need to make an appointment. And she was like, no, like you need to get in your car and you need to drive there right now. And I was like, okay. So I was so scared. I was by myself. Really cool little miracle though. That day I usually would take Eleanor to those appointments with me just because you know, she was one child. It was easy. And that day just happened. My sister-in-law had offered to watch her. Thank God, because Mm. that took me, you know, that allowed me to go to that appointment by myself. And so I went over to that appointment at the perinatologist. My husband met me there. They hooked us all up. They started saying all this crazy language about premature babies and, you know, all these scary things they kept saying. And I'm looking at my husband and, and it's that weird moment. Like you, you're so vulnerable, but yet what are you going to do? You know, um, they know what they're doing. And so then he checked me and I was in active labor as well. So just 28 weeks, you can imagine our fear, these two pound little babies. And, um, the next thing they checked us into the hospital, they hooked me up to what's called magnesium, which is basically uh, something that helps to basically tell your uterus to stop contracting. Mm -hmm. And that worked for about six days. I was on that for about four days. They took me off and then, and it was, it was so, I mean, that was the hardest, probably the hardest, one of the hardest weeks of my life. I mean, you're in so much pain. You're, you're throwing up because the magnesium is just really intense on your body this whole time. It's also a humbling experience because you have to understand that I was so pro-natural that it was kind of a cool thing, if that sounds weird, I'm sorry, but to kind of mature in the area of, like you said earlier, it doesn't really matter how those babies come as long as mama's healthy and babies are healthy. And and I think that was really humbling for me to to just say, you know what, there are things I do not control. I cannot control. And, and I have to trust these doctors and mm-hmm. this team that knows what they're doing. And so um, about a day after they took me off that magnesium, the babies came, um, man, I'm like kind of emotional. They came, um, mm. just about like 24 hours later and, um, it was emergency C-section. And I remember I was just so out of it and I was so tired and, and, um, I just prayed that they would cry when they came out because I didn't, I didn't know, you know, all they, all they gave us were numbers. They gave us statistics yeah. and that was it. And so, each one of my sweet little girls did cry. They screamed when they came out and mm-hmm. that was really beautiful for me. And um, I think the hardest part was I was then wheeled to basically a recovery room where I had one nurse. My husband wasn't there because he was with the babies. I had no idea if they were okay. I was numb from like my chest down. And I remember, you know, at that moment, that was such a 
test of your faith, you know, just laying there and trusting that everything was going to be okay. So yeah, I met him like a couple hours later with their little incubator, you know, a little hole stuck my hand in there and met their little, met him. So yeah, yeah, pretty intense. Yeah. I really, I really can't imagine what that must be like. And I just think that it, it brings out this whole other side of motherhood, you know, this, this side of you that is, has to, you know, fight for your baby's survival, you know? And even though, like you're saying, there's so much that's out of your hands that you can't do, it's in many ways, it's not your fight. It is still your fight. Yeah. They're your babies. Absolutely. Like you are, you are in it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We um, got to hold them. Ours, our girls were born at 28 weeks and six days. So they were healthy enough that they didn't want you to like rub their skin because they were very sensitive. But I did get to hold the girls that night, mm. both of them. So oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. While you were in the hospital, what was going on with Eleanor? Oh, yeah. That actually is usually the part that makes me cry because, you know, that's your, that's your baby. That's the, that's the one you have the relationship with. And, and of course I loved these two new little babies just as much, but it's different as you guys know, with that first baby, you know, your firstborn. And so of course my heart was pulled in two different directions because I had these two little tiny little babies fighting for their life, literally minute to minute in the hospital. But then I had my precious little two-year-old who needed mama so bad, you know, and she didn't know what was Mm -hmm. going on. And so honestly, when you guys talk about community, that was truly what got Justin and I through that. We had the most incredible outpouring of community. We had families from church that we didn't even know that were delivering meals to our house. We had um, the most amazing team of people watching Eleanor when I would go from the hospital to back home. My sister basically designed an entire schedule for two months that would, would take care of us basically. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was my husband's work. Oh my goodness. My husband's, my husband's work. I, I don't know if I could ever say enough about them and the support that his coworkers and his, the partners at the firm, I mean, they, they basically said, we will do whatever you need, anything you tell us and we'll do it. And so just looking back on that, it's just such a blessing that he gets to work for a company that supports our family like that. And just friends and family. I mean, you guys know, we've all had those times in our life where you just really, you stop and go, wow, like I couldn't do life without my people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes me emotional too, because it's, it's just when people show up that way, I mean, there, there are so few times in life where we get to experience community in that way, you know, to that extent. And it really shows you how beautiful and invaluable it is, you know, and not that we always need that much support. Thankfully, we don't always need that much support. Um, But it really shows you just how, like how much, we, how much we benefit from both giving and receiving that kind of love, you know? And it was the people I didn't even know. That was kind of the crazy thing. And, um, we actually had something, I don't know if this is off topic, forgive me if it is, but we had something kind of crazy happen. We had a a break-in actually when the girls were in the hospital. Um, (laughs) thank you, social media. Um, somebody that I knew actually broke into the house and, um, and it was really traumatic and, and stole some stuff that, that you use for, that I use for my job basically. And, and the, even the, the outpouring of community through that time as well, people, you know, that we didn't even know just supporting us and helping me rebuild my work kit. And, um, that was just a really cool thing. I just couldn't believe that total strangers that I didn't even know were willing to come in and 
and be so supportive of our family. So Especially when someone you did know was willing to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> to take. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast, huh? <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. Insult to injury. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what was cool in that is it was like, I feel like in that situation, it was like there was so much more good mm-hmm. that just smothered that little bit of bad, which was really cool. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah. So when did you bring the girls home? Yeah, they spent 48 days in the NICU. So we actually brought them home exactly a month before their actual due date, Hmm. which is incredible. So they were born uh, May 5th. They were due. So they were due July 22nd. We brought them home June. Wait, would that make sense? Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) After this fourth (laughs) baby, basically they spent 48 days in the, in the NICU and then they, and then they came home. And I actually remember the day that, that, they release them. And the NICU is kind of funny too. They don't want to get parents' hopes up. So they won't mm. actually tell you when they're coming home until like five hours before they're coming home. I mean, I'm kidding, yeah. I'm kidding but they, they literally do that. They're like, well, maybe this week. And then it gets closer. And they're like, maybe tomorrow. We, we can't say for sure. And then you get to the hospital that morning and they're like, okay, you're, I think we're, you're going home today. And you're just like mm-hmm. so excited. But I remember I was so excited, but I was also kind of like, uh, I don't know if I can do this. You know, you, you kind of go in that panic because you've gotten to know these nurses over 48 days and they've literally taken care of your babies like they're theirs, you know, and mm-hmm. you've gotten used to that support and those people, you know, helping you. And so I was really... Just, and their expertise. And experts. I'm not a nurse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and something that happens with preemies is they, they will literally just stop breathing. I mean, they just literally turn gray and stop breathing. And then, and you rub their little heads to get them to breathe again. And, and that's just a crazy thought. Right. And so actually when Penny and Lily came home for the first four days that they were home, they were having food apnea, which basically I would breastfeed them or give them a bottle with breast milk and it would choke them. And then they yeah. would literally turned gray and stopped breathing. And I remember there was two times where I actually just said, God, I cannot do this. Like, I mean, the one time my husband got out, of course, to go on a run and go on a jog just because, I mean, if you can imagine the stress that we had and, and one of the babies did that. And I remember I just like, I didn't know, like, do I do the CPR thing they told me? And I just prayed and said, I, I, I need you, you know, and I just rubbed her little head and I, I cleaned out her mouth with a little suction thing and she just opened her eyes back up and started breathing and was fine. And I mean, no mother should have to go through that. But at the same time, I'm as weird as this sounds, I'm thankful for those times because it grew me so much as a mother and trusting myself and trusting my instinct and trusting that I can take care of my children, if that makes sense. So... I mean, that's the challenge for every mother is learning to trust those instincts. And I feel like when you bring a baby home, like that is whether you had a, you know, a sister that was born when you were 16 that you helped take care of or not, like it is very different when you know that this, this baby depends entirely on you, like it is on you. And I think it's even like we've talked about with, with so many moms who have been on the show, you know, when you bring a baby home that has been in the NICU and has, you know, struggled to whatever extent to, you know, to sort of establish life, it's, it's like, you really, really, you've been relying on so many other, you know, people and equipment and, you know, um, potentially medication or, you know, whatever else that is helping those babies to, you know, to thrive. And suddenly now like that, support system is, is gone. And, and in theory, a lot of it is no longer necessary. That's why you've gone home, but it's still just like, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. There was sweet things through it too, though. Cause like at the hospital, they're pretty strict about, 
the babies like being together, they had to get to a certain age just from, for infection. And it all makes sense, of course. Um, but I am definitely a little bit more of a hippie at heart. And so I'm like, I get those babies together, swaddle them up together, you know? So that was what was nice about going home. I could lay them next to each other. They could skin to skin. And cause you, you know, that was something I felt that not only was my pregnancy that I feel robbed of half my pregnancy, but I felt robbed of them getting that when twins are born and fully healthy, you know, you get to put them right together and they spent nine months in the womb together, you know? And so that was really sweet to get them home. And and they were so funny. They would lay there and then they would progress towards each other because I had them in the same little bassinet. And within like an hour, their faces would be right next to each other, literally breathing each other's air. (laughs) They were so cute. Today's episode is brought to you by Birthing Stone and their baby sleep coaching program. Tiffany Decker, who's a friend of ours, is the founder of the company and a birth and postpartum doula. And she realized that the biggest need her families were facing was depletion and exhaustion. And so she set out to find the right tools to help them get great sleep as a family. She ended up becoming a mommy wise certified sleeping coach. If you have a baby, you know how confusing the sleep issue is. You desperately want to get some sleep, but you also want to be sensitive to your baby's emotional and physical needs. And if you go on the internet, you're going to read a million different conflicting things, add exhaustion to the mix, and it's easy to just do what you've always been doing, even if it's not really working. Tiffany and her team at Birthing Stone offer the most personalized baby sleep support that is available. They come into your home and they help you identify your personal goals around sleep, what your baby's developmental needs and even personality are, and they provide in-the-moment feedback and guidance as you work together to figure out what is actually going to work for your family to get the best possible sleep. Tiffany helped my daughter and I a few months ago and it changed everything. I was so worried it would be a rigid program that would make me feel dependent on something external, but instead I felt so intuitive and I feel so intuitive about my daughter's sleep needs and I know how to adapt as she grows and changes. Being well-rested means that we both thrive and we're enjoying our time together so much more. Birthing Stone offers their services all along the West Coast, primarily in Portland, Seattle, and the Santa Barbara areas. To find out if this is the right fit for you and your family, you can complete a quick application for a thorough assessment of your family's needs and goals. So head over to motherbirth.co slash birthingstone for more info. So you bring the girls home. What did that, you know, transition, how long did it feel like it took for you guys to kind of settle in and to feel like you, you'd sort of found your footing? You know, about Honestly, I would say actually about three months. It was a pretty quick transition, which was nice. I think the worst was those, the food apnea there in the beginning that, that set me through for a loop. But once we kind of got through that and we got into our routine, I think we started to feel normal. I remember we went to the beach. So they were born May 5th, they came home. Um, and then I think we went to the beach like right around September with my husband's family. And that was a really sweet time. So I think I felt, I felt that a little bit more back to normal right around then. Yeah. yeah. And now it's for, you know, they're four and a half and I, I don't even hardly remember that time. Amazing how that happens. Mm-hmm. After having the girls and, you know, things going really differently than you had thought, was it a hard decision to decide to have more kids or did you feel really ready? Well, I think for me, I was, if I'm being honest, I was a little traumatized through that time. Mm-hmm. And I had some PTSD. And I, I actually just recently have really done some really hard work to work through some of the stuff I didn't work through at that time. And I think that would actually be my advice to all moms is that after you have babies, you know, work through what you've gone through with pregnancy and birth, because 
it's so much emotion that's involved in it that if you stuff it and you stuff those feelings, um, it can be really dangerous later. And so that's a total praise that this last year I've done a lot of, um, work on, on that time that I didn't deal with. So after they were, you know, about, let's see, two, I guess. Right. Yeah. My, I told my husband, I think I want one more baby. (laughs) He was like, are you sure? (laughs) I think he was a little more traumatized than me, but he said, okay, you know, let's do this. And, and I think for me, I, there was just something in me that not that I wanted another baby because the twins birth was traumatic, but it was more that I just, it didn't feel finished or done. And so we got pregnant with Charlotte, sweet baby. And it was really cool because we actually didn't find out what she was. We didn't find out her gender. And, and now I'm that crazy lady. I remember when I was young, people would give me advice. Older people would give me advice and I'd be like, oh, whatever. Just let me make my own decision. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm that crazy lady. I'm like, don't find out what you're having. It's the most amazing experience ever. Mm. I mean, truthfully, looking back, I uh, maybe we wouldn't have had a choice of the twins. But with Eleanor, I would hands down not find out what I was having. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And so anyway, so we didn't find out and, and it was really cool because as you can imagine, when you have a birth and a story like the twins, I was scared, you know, and just that I had a piece, but I had in the back of my mind, always that lingering. I mean, as you can imagine when I got to 25 weeks and when I got to 26 weeks and I remember bawling my eyes out at 28 weeks and six days pregnant with Charlotte because our twins had come. Right. And so I remember just having to really trust and have faith that everything was going to be okay. And it was, and she was actually a week overdue, which was just, it was so funny because I prayed for full term Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I got full term plus a week. And I remember going, okay, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Time for her to come out now. I I guess I didn't know it was a her, but time for the baby to come out now. And, And, you know, I just had such healing through that birth. We had this unbelievable, um, VBAC, which is a vaginal after C-section. And, um, I had this incredible doctor who actually was the one that was supposed to deliver the twins, but because they went into, you know, they really, we were with, yeah, we were with a perinatologist, but that just awesome doctor. She was so rad. She actually told like her whole team, I will be delivering this baby. So even if I'm off of my vacation, if it's my day, you know, I'll be there. And so she just, you know, she just was awesome. And so she got there and I have to tell you guys, I got to the hospital. I went in, in the morning and they said, uh, you're, you've got some very small ones, but we're going to send you home. And I was like, no, you don't understand. My babies come out really fast. (laughs) Are you Mm. sure I can't just hang out in the parking lot? (laughs) And they were like, no, go home. You're fine. And so we went home and and again, you know your body. I knew I was in labor. And so that whole day, I, they started to get a little bit, you know, a little bit. I can feel them a little bit more. So we went back to the hospital that night and just Justin and I, and she said, yeah, you still have those little small ones. I mean, they didn't even hurt yet, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. They were like, but I don't think we're going to send you home. Thank God they didn't. Or I would have been on the news with a delivery in the car. So <laughs> they did not send me home. <laughs> And they hook, they did hook me up. They put us into, you know, the room where you have them. I, I don't know what that's called, but they hooked me up and they said, why don't you just take a nap? And so my husband turned on some music and I just rolled over on my side and I actually fell asleep for an hour and I woke up and I was like, Whoo, let's get it. Let's go. It's go time. And 
So I remember just intense. I mean, it went from zero to a hundred and I was in the bed. It felt like for five minutes, I was in the bathtub for what felt like five minutes. And then I was out pushing for what felt like five minutes and she was out. Wow. So she came out in two and a half hours, which was like literally from the start of the first contraction that actually kind of hurt till she was out. So, I mean, it was crazy fast. And she actually was what they call sunny side up. She was upside Mm -hmm. down and her face was facing the top. Yeah. So that was a little bit rough um, with no medication. (laughs) I remember at the one point the doctor said, you got to get her out and you got to get her out on this push. And I said, okay. And so we, yeah, we got her out. And um, that was, that was something else. I, I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more challenging. It's remarkable that she was still born that quickly, you know, cause it can, posterior babies can take longer to come or, because or not at all. She, or uh, yeah, yeah. Or need some kind of, yes. yeah. Yeah. She was assistance. Yeah. I, but I think at that point, after what I had been through with my other births, I was like, nope, she's coming out. So yeah. I might not have done the best on my woman area, but, um, I was right. getting her out. So, and so she's born and you don't know that she's a boy or a girl. What was that moment like? You've described it as like your favorite ever. What was, tell us more about it. Yeah. As I'm like crying again. Um, it was just, I don't know. It was so cool. I feel like it, you know, in the generation we live in, we just find out everything right away. You know, we need to find something out. We just hop on Google. And so it was just so sweet that my husband, like I heard him say, Oh, she has so much hair. And then, um, they, you know, pulled her out and, and actually my husband got to tell me it's a girl and I just, you know, the rest is a blur. I just grabbed her and, and held her and she was little peanut. She was just six pounds, two ounces, a little tiny little thing, which I have little babies. I don't know what that is. I'm, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a tall girl. I'm like almost six foot and I have these little teeny tiny babies, but, um, she was just perfect. She had this and you know, it's really weird. When I was younger, I always said I wanted a baby with hair, like with dark hair and all my other three girls were bald. And she came out with this black head of hair, tons of it. Hmm. So she was just, she's perfect. Absolutely. You got your wish. I got my wish. Have you had any of your, like, has your oldest daughter, um, was she at that birth or anything like that? No, she wasn't, but I, gosh, how sweet would that have been? I didn't even think about it. Maybe if we have another one, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) If my husband hears this, he'll, he'll be like, I don't think so. (laughs) I'm actually one of those. It's weird. I could have like, I could be like, you know, I could have like a 20. It's it's so, it's just a really cool, I love it. I love being pregnant as weird as as it is. I love the birth part and just all of it. So. Yeah, absolutely. If I mean, there, there are lots of women like that. And I feel like that's, you know, that's a gift and it's a gift that that you should acknowledge and use, you know, yeah. there's, it's, it's such a gift to be able to love children. Well, yep. you know, yep. I do remember when my oldest met Charlotte for the first time, because she was too little to really, you know, with the twins, that was just such a different experience. But with Charlotte, Eleanor ran in, she would not let anyone else hold her. I mean, we had to literally, you know, she was like, this is, she's my baby. Nobody can hold her. And she has honestly been like that ever since. She's very, very protective over Charlotte. It is very sweet. Mm, That is sweet. So I know that after your twins were born, you guys did some, you guys have done some work around raising awareness about prematurity and all of that. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, we, after leaving the NICU, it, it was, like I said, I don't even really know how to completely describe it. It was all of the emotions you can imagine, good and bad. And so when we left, we had built this really sweet community with these nurses and these doctors. And you've, we basically lived at the hospital for 48 days. So as you can imagine, leaving was bittersweet. We were ready to be home in our own home, but at the same time, there was something familiar there. And so we just didn't want to not be a part of that um, anymore. And so when I was in there, what you do when you have premature babies is you something that's really important for the babies is called kangaroo care. And I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. know about this, but you put your babies on your chest and then you have skin to skin time with them. And my mother-in-law had gotten me this really, really nice um, cotton rope that I took into the hospital and I would leave it there. And the nurses would always be like, that's so smart. You know, you have your own, you know, robe and it's comfy. Mm. And I was always shocked, like, well, don't other moms do this? And they were like, no, we don't really see that a lot. And I was like, well, yeah, this is awesome. And they actually wanted you to fall asleep with the babies on you too. And so I always just liked that that felt kind of secure. So I told my husband, you know, how about we just donate a bunch of robes to the NICU, like to these mamas? And he was like, my husband's a CPA. So he was like, okay, we can do that, but we might as well make it a real nonprofit because that'll be so much more beneficial in the, in the long run. And I was like, okay. And I didn't even know what I was signing up for. I was just like, okay, whatever. I trust you, you know? So one thing led to another and we started 28 and 6. So it's called 28 and 6, which as I said, that's the gestation that the girls were born at. And for me naming it, that was a no brainer because that's just what we were reminded of every single day we were in there. What 28 and 6 does is we provide robes and we're actually now transitioning into a scarf, a like cotton scarf that can be used as a blanket. It can be used while kangarooing. It could be used while breast pumping. Because one of the things that happened when I was in there is I felt like you have no privacy. I mean, you're, when you have premature babies, you're pumping every, you know, two hours and every single doctor, nurse, PT, OT, all the therapists were coming in, social workers. I mean, everybody, you name it. And here's your boobs out in a pump and you're just like, Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was really cool. I loved my robe. It just created a little more privacy. And so we're really excited because we've been offering robes, but what we found with the robes is one, there was some sizing issues we didn't like. And we also felt like we were kind of leaving the dads out. And so we're really excited about this new nursing scarf and it's a gray. So it will go for male or female. And it's, it's basically this just big piece of fabric that they can wrap around themselves for privacy. And what's really cool is it's actually really cute. So after they go home, they'll be able to wear it as a scarf if they want. And then we're going to now, instead of boxing, these up because I wanted it to be a little more, you know, less waste as well as more of a use for the moms. They're going to be given in these really cute tote bags, which is cool because they can then put, you know, their breast pumping stuff can go in there and all of that. So we do that. Yeah. And then the other thing we offer is um, gas cards and food cards only to um, needy families. So our our social workers are very intentional about who those go to because we're a very small nonprofit. We can't afford to obviously, you know, do too many of them. So we just want to, we always want to make sure that they're going to families that, you know, can really really use them. Yeah. Don't have maybe the the community support or the financial means. Yeah. We actually had a, a, got a review recently that a family, the gas card actually got them from, you know, from their house to their follow-up appointments. And that's the reason you know, that's, that's what you do these things for. I mean, it's just such a cool thing to give back to, to this community that Mm -hmm. I felt like gave us so much, you know? 
So the scarf, I'm picturing kind of like an oversized infinity scarf. Totally. Is that kind yep. of the, the gist? Exactly yeah. what it is. Yep. So where can people find, where can people find 28 and 6? Yeah. So we have a website. It's just called 28and6.org. And right now we're just servicing the Portland hospitals, the Portland NICUs, because we're so small. And um, mm-hmm. we would love to obviously get to a point where somebody that had somebody in the NICU could just order one. And and truthfully, right now, if somebody were to message me, I could make that happen. But mm-hmm. But our, mostly we are just servicing the Portland hospitals. And then we of course have an Instagram. I'm I'm working on being better about my social media for 28 and 6, but it's just at 28 and 6. Dot, or excuse me, just at 28 and 6 and it's spelled out. So, you know, okay. how you spell it out. Yeah, we'll share it in the show Perfect. notes so people can easily just click over and check it out. Perfect. I love that. Well, we've loved hearing just kind of your just the difference the different kinds of experiences that you've had as a mom and how much that has really so evidently just made you who you are as a mom, you know? Yeah. It's really beautiful. Thank you. That's, that was kind of my hope with doing this with you guys is my overall like point I wanted to make was just exactly what you said. You know, we can't be too hard on each other and on ourselves on how our babies come because I've had so many friends that were die hard natural birth and they ended up in a C-section. And then I've seen that that sadness on their face of like feeling like defeat. And at the end of the day, going through what I've went through, having both situations, like we can't feel that way. Like we have to be thankful that we do live in a generation that if it is an emergency situation that we have that option. And mm-hmm. and we have to know that no matter how that baby comes out, that our health and our baby's health is what is first priority, you know, and that no matter how we do it, we literally took a baby out of our body. So it doesn't matter how it happened. It is incredible. So I get a little, I get a little crazy over that. (laughs) We do too. (laughs) Perfect. That's, that's mother birth. I mean, I feel like we just want women to know that, that they can do this and that it's going to be okay. And, you know, I think the other piece of what you're saying is that, you know, it's, it's not just believing that for yourself, it's, it is really important in how we, how we support the other moms in our community Mm -hmm. as well, you know, and the language that we use as we're encouraging women who either are approaching birth or who have already gone through birth and maybe are feeling that disappointment or, you know, you know, regret or guilt or any of the, any of the really big emotions that we can feel about birth. And I'm not, I don't, you know, I think it's naive to suggest that like those can be eradicated completely, but I feel like, you know, with, with the way that we talk about birth and the posture that we have towards it and the the support that we can provide to each other, like we can minimize it so much, yep. you know? Yep. And sometimes just like letting people ask you questions. Cause I've had friends that knew nothing about natural. They just had always heard the other way and just gently telling them my story. I've had some cool experiences with friends who decided to go the other way and, and they were so thankful that somebody just shared it with them gently, not not in their face and obnoxious. No, I agree. I think it's yeah. just creating, like, I loved what you said where it's, it doesn't really matter how you get your baby, whether, you know, it comes out of your yeah. vagina or it comes out of your stomach or it comes to 28 <laughs> weeks or 41 weeks. And we are just such yeah. a great, I mean, like we just, you know, or if you adopt your baby or oh, foster your baby yeah. or yeah, marry that. someone who brings a baby into your life and or kids into your yeah. life and 
having that openness and share, like you said, and sharing um, your joy is really what it is. You know, it's like you shared the joy of becoming a mom with those people and they were inspired to do it in a way that was maybe outside of their original thinking. But now you're sharing joy with people that you never will ever meet through providing something that came from your experience. Like, I love that you said that. I love that you brought up adoption and foster. I think we sometimes... I sometimes, um, even though I'm surrounded by that, I forget that is such a, yeah, that's just amazing. I read a book recently about motherhood and, and the author did such a, this, such a beautiful job talking about how motherhood is, we are all and all can be mothers. Like even me, I help on Wednesday night with the high school girls. And I feel like that's motherhood. Like I feel like I'm in Mm -hmm. some way a mother to those girls. And and I love that. I love that idea of a woman that wasn't able to have a baby, you know, naturally through her own body, but, you know, adopted or fostered or poured out to these kids in her community. Like that's motherhood, you know? So it's just such a cool thing to think about. It really is. Well, thank you so much, Asti, for sharing with us. Thank you. We will share links to um, to your social accounts and also to 28 and 6 so that people can check that yeah. out. Um I know it'd be so cool for that to to grow and be able to, you know, to impact more communities. Thank so you. even as an idea, I love that just for people to be able to know like, hey, this is something I can, you know, even if I'm just going and getting a robe for a yep. friend that's in the NICU, yep. you know, just that, just planting that seed. Yep. I think that it's so, so important to be able to do that. So thank you for sharing your, your uh, work and your gift with us. Well, thank you. You guys are awesome. I could talk to you all day. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Asti. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Lara and Lisa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.